You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. And welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Recently, I sat down with Rob Chickering from the Blaze TV and Radio Networks. If you enjoy the Glenn Beck Show or any of the programming on the Blaze, the guy who has built the sets and the infrastructure bringing you that programming is the technical mind of Rob Chickering. Rob's worked closely with Morton Downey Jr. He tells us about his time with him. He's jumped out of an airplane countless times. He's a photography enthusiast, and we got into the ins and outs of that hobby. And uh, as of this moment, he still owes me a plate of smoked salmon. Here's my conversation with Rob Chickering on this edition of At The Mic. Rob, welcome. Hi. What's going on, man? Oh, just having a podcast day with you. Yay! It's like a tea party, but... A podcast. Yeah, you're going to get thirsty during this because I'm going to ask a lot of questions and you don't have any water. You didn't come prepared. I I drank water before I got here, so I think I'm okay. Very good. Very good. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know how this works, but I've already emailed you a list of questions. By the way, the list getting longer and longer than I sent it out, so I apologize. People have mentioned, I asked people like (laughs) other people have done this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, um, like, did, did you have this question? Like, no, he must be adding on yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, I think it started So like, in like uh, a month, <laughs> it'll be 17 pages because yeah. it's like two right I now, I think we've right? gone from 18 questions. I don't know. We're up to about 30 or so. Now, do you remember the bit I told you I was going to do? Nope, to you? Okay. I don't remember at all. I told you that I was going to do one completely incorrect answer. In oh, there. yeah. So there's one I've answer got to figure out where you're lying. Not, well, you're not lying. To my right? listeners? Yeah, pretty much. <gasps> and if you let it go through, then you have lied to your listeners. So uh, are you going to, at the end, if I haven't figured it out, are you going to reveal which was the lie about you? I'll have to remember it. But yeah, it's been a while since I figured it out. I'll have to remember it. How many lies do you tell? My, my life is a lie, Keith. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I, know, I know which one it is. <sighs> So were you born in Washington, D.C.? I was. Yay! I was born in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Okay, hold on. There's, uh, <laughs> you going to mark up yes or true? No, or, I'm going to oh. be like, yay! <laughs> okay, we Grab got the tambourine. tambourine. <laughs> yeah, okay, that'll be the one. Tambourine okay. of yes. Okay, so when I suspect a lie, <laughs> I'll give you the egg shaker, okay? The... All right. Okay, here okay, we go. There we go. All right, Washington, D.C. Yep. And then you grew up in Rockville, Maryland. Yep, just outside of D.C. Great song by R.E.M. R.E.M., yeah. Don't go back to the Rockville. Rockville. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you been back to Rockville? Not recently. My mom <laughs> has left. There's I'm nothing sorry. in Rockville left for me, except for my old high school. Okay. That's about it. All right. Uh, well, how was it growing up in Rockville, Maryland? It was, you know, a typical suburb, uh, you know, born in 64. So my parents bought their house or bought the property, built the house. You want to know what their mortgage payment was? Oh, this my gosh. Crazy. I'm going to simultaneously, I'm going to love it and hate it at the same time. Take a guess. So their they, mortgage payment. Yeah, they bought the property and built the house in the early 60s, I think. And uh, was it a 30-year fixed? I believe. And when they paid it <laughs> off, they were pretty excited. I don't know, man. $150. <laughs> That's crazy. That is so You can't great. even buy a car for that. No so, yeah. But Rockville was like a typical you know, suburb of D.C. You felt like you're in a large metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we really kind of called DC home, essentially. Okay. But, I, you know, I, it was cool because you could just, uh, you know, on a weekend, you just go down to the Smithsonian if you wanted to. Oh, you know, it's just cool. like, like, you know, the things that you take, take for granted that people like make a trip to DC. I yeah. could do that any weekend. Okay. So it was, it was a, it was a cool place to grow up. I had tons of friends, could walk anywhere. It was a good, safe neighborhood kind of thing. Typical, good, uh, decent place to, a suburbia lifestyle, I guess you could call it. There's an individual who we work with here at 
Blaze TV. Oh, boy. Named Mark Tate. Yes, Mark Tate. And what he <laughs> tends to do is when I'm conducting these uh, interviews, these conversations, he just kind of sneaks in here and starts dismantling uh, the set. He steals stuff. He steals stuff. Yeah. I call him the thief in the night. He yeah. comes in here, he starts taking stuff. Mark has a, like a camera rental business uh-huh. going, and he rents the cameras during the day. Which is what's happening right it's now. Weird. It's the- how It's how we fund our lunches, so it's okay. It's allowed. It's, it's all good. And occasional beer runs and things like that. Mark, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hey, everybody. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. He There's did. Mark. He did. So this will be a good chance for me to take a picture, as I typically do in, in the course of these uh, podcasts. Well lit in here. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> so beautiful, Rob. Oh, by the way, I'm going to shake the tambourine on the... Okay. Uh, that sounds like a uh, euphemism for something. Uh, Rockville, Maryland, I'm going to believe that you were, uh, you grew up there. So, Jeez, Keith, yeah. shake your tambourine some other time. <laughs> you got a brother who's five years older than you? Yes. You there you con- go. Confirm that? Yes, true? confirm. Okay, confirm very true. Good. Very good. Uh, and uh, <laughs> what, what's his name? Like, is he cool? John. I mean, did you like him growing up? I mean, uh, my brother, you know, five years is interesting because you're not really super close. You're you're outside of the range That's of like right schools. There. Yeah. yeah. You're like, but I was always compared to my brother when I got when I went through school. Oh, I bet that was fun, right? Oh yeah, because he was a much better student. Oh no, I was, I was a horrible student. Uh-huh. Like I could barely barely uh, clear a class without getting a D. And you know, a lot of like. Well, your brother was really smart. What happened to you? Kind of like uh, conversations would occur in school. Uh, but, so not terribly close, but we're you know we stay in touch. He lives in Georgia now. Oh, whereabouts? Uh, he's outside of Atlanta. Whereabouts? Uh, I couldn't tell you. He just moved there. It's like a, new, a little suburb. He used to, he lived in Franklin, Massachusetts ah. for forever and worked for uh, Fidelity okay. Investments. And he just retired. Well, well let's bastard. find out the uh, next next retired. time you talk to John, the, the right. smart sibling why don't you find I don't out know if i have his address on my phone oh wow i know it's i mean so i can new. wait while you look it up That's i can a, i can yeah. just go over here I'll and just kind of you do a little tambourine music because yeah, you know this. i was born and raised in uh marietta georgia cobb county which is northwest of atlanta so if if that's where he's uh, living, that would be a small world, but not really since I guess he's not at, more crowded. No, he's there. a little bit outside of. Uh, no, I still have his and old address wh- in here. And while you're that's looking, weird. okay, so you don't know. Yeah, all I'll right. Let you know. We wow, can you guys uh, we close. can app- we can append this. We can come back okay. and revisit that. Yeah, you question. guys are obviously really tight. <laughs> so uh, uh, I guess we should take an opportunity to explain to people what you do here, because uh, you um, I can't believe now John must be a genius if he's the smart one. Because you're very intelligent and you Thank get a you. lot of stuff done around here that requires uh, a skill that I don't possess, which is simple math. <laughs> and <laughs> you just explain what you do because you keep Glenn Beck's Blaze TV network on the air effectively. Yeah, essentially. That's a really good way to put it. Um, I kind of, my job is the, uh, it's such a hoity title, no, the SVP go. of studio operations. Is that a senior vice president? Yes, it is. Oh, I have an S in front of my, uh, my VP. That's awesome. So, um, <laughs> I essentially kind of run the crew and the whole operation that is the back end to this place. So from lights to this microphone that we're using to the studio that this audio is running through or the studios next door with all the cameras and those lights and the signal, how it gets to our viewers over the Internet now used to be via satellite. Mm-hmm. All of that is under my responsibility. And then the crew and people that do the work. You know, okay. like uh, Sarah in the other room or Martin running the board for you in the morning. Yeah. He's kind of part of my team. That's cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's really cool. And and Glenn's really fun and a challenge to work for because he constantly is pushing to do new things. And he has a vision which is 
insane sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, what? And then you see it on television, and you're just like, oh, my God. He did see that. You know, so it's he's fun to work for. You're the guy who builds the sets. Yeah, we essentially, or we have somebody do them if they're really complicated. We try to do the basic stuff ourselves. Actually, we were just building a, a set flat in the back while we before this. So oh, yeah? we just get ready for Allie's new set. So, yeah. So the oh. simpler stuff we'll do ourselves just to save some money. But if we have, like, a really complex thing... We have some set builders and scenic people that do that for us, but then we oversee it. My team oversees the actual construction of it and, like, is it in the right place and how does it look and are the colors right and mm-hmm. those kinds of things. What's the date that Allie Stuckey, her new set, is going to debut, do you think? Uh, well, we'll have it done probably by the 18th. That's our target day, and then she'll do some rehearsals, so mm-hmm. you might see it by the beginning of June. Okay, I'll some. be editing this part out of the podcast <laughs> since this will post after that debut okay. no <laughs> exactly so you've been a radio-minded guy since you were a kid like a lot of us mm-hmm. explain your childhood and what gave you the radio bug in how you applied that that's really interesting i i kind of started messing around with audio when i was in high school and junior high high school and and i would do recordings and make you know cassette mixes and random stuff and uh, i actually did a real radio play for a buddy of mine mm. uh with cassette decks and reverbs and just it was stupid i mean just think <laughs> about the things that i have i got a i got a boom box that had stereo recording and i went out and started recording sound effects you know with two microphones nice and somewhere there's a picture of me with a with a stick with two mics on the end of it and i was out there recording things oh, it's just cool. just crazy so when I got to college, I wanted to do. I was in. I was on the engineering track in college because my brother's an engineer, my dad was an engineer. So I was like, "All right, I'm going to do the engineering thing." Well, it turns out my roommate had tried out or auditioned for the campus radio station uh, at school, and I was like, "It didn't it never even occurred to me to do that." And I auditioned, got myself a six to ten a.m. Sunday morning shift uh-huh. on WMUC AM. Muck. And it was a carrier current station, so you could only hear it inside the buildings of the campus. Oh, wow. Didn't even actually have a broadcast transmitter. Wow. Shout out to KRNU in Lincoln, Nebraska. I thought 100 watts was a weak station (laughs) in 90.3 on the FM dial. And we had an FM station that was 10 watts lookout. And it was it was alternative alternative and a, me- and a mess. We were pretty much like CHR. Was the so transmitter was at least on top of a tall building? It was on top of the okay. building that we were in, so oh. it wasn't bad. You could actually hear it around campus That's pretty cool. well. But yeah, yeah, so that got me started, and then eventually I started tinkering around and doing production and um, and started working in studios and learning how the audio flow worked and just kind of teaching myself the whole setup. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got in a a, a job. And my first job in broadcasting was for WRC in Washington, D.C. They had uh, used to be owned by NBC. Okay. Greater Media was the broadcast company that bought the, uh, the station and turned it into a big band station. And oh, they wow. needed board ops for the weekend. So I got a – I was an overnight board op for TalkNet. It was like an old uh, like kind of talk show on NBC uh-huh. before it was Westwood One. Okay. And uh, I took that. I, the, the ad was posted at the college radio station for three dollars and seventy five cents an hour. Wow! And I was like, I don't care. I'll take the. I just wanted to get in the radio, and got the job. And when they offered me six fifty, about fell on the floor. <laughs> You're like, wow! Yeah. So I did that for quite a while, and uh, eventually met the engineer, the chief engineer there. Started working for him, and uh, he can tell you all kinds of stories about that. <laughs> but uh, we won't go down that rabbit hole too much. And but but eventually, I started interning in the engineering department, 
and that kind of started my career. Okay. And uh, quit school because I was learning more at the radio station than I was in school. Mm-hmm. And at least that was my justification for it. <laughs> and, the, and, and the University of Maryland sent me a little letter about academic dismissal that kind of like got oh. things rolling. Oh, so that's a kind of a, a prompt. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, oh. we're kicking you out. So I guess I'm not going to come back. And wow. so I was learning a lot and loving radio. And you know how it is when you first get started. You just go knee deep into it. And that's what I did. And mm-hmm. so I eventually started building studios, started doing a bunch of different stuff, had a full-time job. And and it's, uh, what, almost 40 years later. I think I started in like 83, 84. Uh-huh. And somewhere in there you were a... Uh I'm going to reach for the tambourine. I believe it's true. Maybe. You're not confident in your shape. Uh, a segment producer for Morton Downey Jr. I was. I jumped out of radio engineering and got into programming a little bit more and worked for Mort. I actually wound up going on the road with him a whole bunch. He was our talk show host <laughs> in D.C. We, we changed format to talk radio and we hired Mort and he did middays and he was living in Philly. And coming down to D.C., like randomly, we had him on remote. He okay. could do his show from his house back in the early days. And uh, so they decided they were going to have him do his show from restaurants all over D.C., like high-end restaurants like the Palm, and that's where the big decision makers were. So we'd be set up in the middle of these really nice restaurants. So I was on the road with him, God, for almost a year. Hmm. And so he and I built How was up a that? It was fun. He was a yeah. really cool dude. He like, seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, he seems like he's so high intensity. Yep. Once the camera's rolling, but it almost seems like I it's bet a show. off the air yeah. he is a normal, just chilled out guy. Yeah. It's a show. Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, it's not like it's. It was in. It was not. It wasn't who he was. He wasn't making up a persona. Sure. But he would. He would amplify it. Right. And he. You know, he was a big personality guy. But yeah, he was always. He was really good to me. And so. Th- Worked for him for quite a while. Uh, worked on his TV show as well as a segment producer. We relaunched his TV show in Palm <laughs> Springs mm-hmm. and uh, got into TV. That was my first like touch into TV producing. And so we wrote, did you know, book guests, did everything. And we would do uh, we would do one week of shooting. We do fifteen shows in a week, and we just bang them out. In, and we're shooting in Palm Springs, so I had to do the radio show in the morning, do the TV show, two, three TV shows a day for five days. It was a pretty crazy schedule. Wow. A lot of writing, a lot of bit coming up with, you know, things that we'd have to do. But it was fun. And eventually that kind of fell apart. Uh, I, I peeled off and got another job in radio, started working freelance. Um, in and around that period, my life took a little bit of a turn, and I started skydiving. And I'm not sure I even put that on there. Did I put it on there? Put oh, you are incorrect, sir, All right, the tell shaker. Me about, tell me about skydiving. So I, while I was in Palm Springs, I worked with a guy <laughs> who was a comedian. He was like the host of Mort's show. And he took me on what they call a demo jump, where he went on the skydive. He was a professional skydiver. And he just like, you sit in the seat next to the pilot. They open the door of the airplane, and out he goes. And I'd never been a daredevil kind of person, but it, there was something about it. It caught me. Oh, boy. And so uh, we went, did a tandem skydive. That's where you're attached to an uh, instructor. Yeah. And it was incredible. So I got back to Dallas, and I found a local skydiving operation here. It's about an hour north of here. I took my training, got my license to be a professional skydiver. Um, and that was me for a long time. Wait Every weekend jumping. So wait, when did you get to Dallas then? In that this? was in Dallas. So I was oh, moving okay. between Dallas and California when okay. I was working for Mort. Sorry, it's a little complicated. I gotcha. And uh, so I was out of work, skydiving, doing freelance 
for I built uh, built a bunch of studios and did a bunch of stuff. So when you're a professional skydiver, you're So so when you are, what does that mean? Like that people hire you for for aerial? Well, the professional or? the professional part didn't really start at that point. So I was just a, what they call a fun jumper on the weekends, jumping mm-hmm. and having fun. Uh, eventually, started shooting video and taking pictures with okay. a camera in my helmet. And that's where it kind of becomes professional. Because I know you do. Uh, we can talk about it later. You know, photography. Yeah. Is that where it started then? Yeah, that was. I had always wanted to be a photographer or take pictures. My dad was a photographer, and we had a dark room in the basement, so I always kind of had cool. a you know a vibe for that. And I just never worked it. And skydiving was cool because it took you to a place where it's like I can take pictures at ten thousand feet while going one hundred twenty miles an hour. This is pretty cool. Yeah, just don't forget the shoot. Yeah, exactly, point, right? exactly. So <laughs> actually, we, we wound up taking pictures for like a, a sunglasses company, oh. you know, and doing things. So. The the whole skydiving thing was fun, and it was pretty hardcore for about three years. Uh, jumped a lot. Um, when I finished, I th- when I stopped jumping, I think I have about 1,600 jumps. It became professional when um, I met a buddy up there, and he decided to put a sky surfing board on his feet. And that's a, it's kind of like a snowboard, but it's much more rigid. And it eventually became a sport in the X Games. So the first years that the X Games came out, it's sky surfing. Oh, wow. So if you go back and look, you'll find me on ESPN or ESPN2 oh. uh, on some of the training or like qualifier, uh, you know, qualify, qualifying meets. We would have four meets per year, and that's where it became professional. So I was in the X Games, I think, three years. Wow. So don't lift up the shaker. You can lift the tambourine. It's provable on the internet. <laughs> I can show you video. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to the old Google here. <laughs> Do uh, two guys, two two guys uh, with jobs sky surfing. You'll find our our old demo video. Uh, okay, so you can do that later. You yeah. don't have to waste time on living while you're doing the podcast. I'll get this. I'll get this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. When did you get to Dallas then? And and you're like, what year are we at? Uh, ninety. Let me think. Ninety three, ninety two, ninety three. It was about about the time when the Koresh thing was happening. I literally landed at DFW Airport. My buddy picked me up. He says, you hear what's happening? <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty crazy. And the okay. station I worked for at that time where Mort was on the air was a kind of a high, heavy conservative talk radio station. Like, its uh, bumper sticker was a giant pistol. Oh, you know, it was gosh. awesome. It was Hot Talk Radio 1190 KGBS. No. So they were knee-deep in it. And so that was the whole period of time where I got to Dallas was the, uh, the Karish compound world. Okay. It was kind of a fun little marker in time. Yeah. No, that was uh, that was like the first few weeks of the Clinton administration. So that would have been early 93. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds right. Like 5th, February. February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it went to like April 1st, somewhere yep. in there. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yep. And uh, the whole skydiving thing kind of kicked off. Or no, it had to be April 20th, right? Nah. Yeah. You were going down that rabbit the, hole. The reason I'm doing that. that is because I think that was the, the whole reason why Timothy McVeigh chose uh oh you're day. right you're right okay. i mean we're, we're we're being total nerds now at least i am <laughs> we go we have to figure out the dates yeah. oh i i can't let this stuff go uh anyhow it went on, went on for quite a while yeah right? yeah just every morning you get the update on like the today april 19th okay. okay so there you go uh okay was it in dallas when you met your wife julie yes okay so at tell a us bar. about her at yeah. a bar at a bar all right yeah, yeah. okay 
Yeah, I was. I had made, I think, my 10th skydive that day. I was at a bar around the corner from my apartment. So I made my 10th skydive. Uh, that's exactly the, the way it was. Exactly the way was it that, was. Was that, how, was that like your pickup line? Hey, oh, guess yeah. what I've been doing today. Totally. I mean, you know, you're skydiving. Might as well use it, right? Yeah, yeah. was she impressed? Um, it, She was somewhat impressed because she had actually made a jump. Her brother was a jump pilot, and she had actually made what they call a static line a long time ago. Was it? Okay, ago. okay, okay. I was about to say while ago it wasn't like that day oh you no, know no, what no, no, i no. did too okay. and the whole reason she was in there she was in there with her girlfriend because they were gonna go be uh flight attendant scabs for american airlines they were on this <laughs> flight attendants were on strike and they were going out for a last drink before they their training and it turns out they signed the contract the next day so they didn't have to do that ah gotcha yeah. okay so so do you guys ever skydive together we used to yeah 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 a lot and so you know she i think she kind of figured if she wanted to see me on the weekend she had to join in but she enjoyed it and she was actually uh in the x games kind of organization that we were part of oh. she was actually a judge at one point so she was actually judging my skydives without, in competition. Y'all, without y'all knowing at the time no oh, oh, okay. you know, it was, that it was cool everybody was cool with it <laughs> and you know she'd come out she'd come out of the booth out of the you know where the they'd have a trailer and she could look at me and she's like yeah, it didn't go so well did it I'm like yeah it didn't go so well thanks the judge <laughs> yeah thank you appreciate, appreciate it. that yeah <laughs> all right she was pretty tough on me very cool because she knew you know the thing that sucked is she had seen all the jumps she knew what they could be right oh so it was actually probably she'd seen worse. the best case scenario exactly so when you weren't able to do that yeah, it was time well, to we have it all up it was like okay you screwed that move up you're like god dang it. She you're knew, not supposed you know? to know that you're just yeah. supposed to be impressed that i'm doing it period <laughs> and you guys have a son together we do he's 21 wow he's starting his senior year at ou after this summer okay what's he majoring in up there he's uh he's on the engineering track he's doing industrial engineering which is pretty cool he's digging that oh so he got your uh He's pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. And he's got my wife's uh, brain, too. Okay. He's a pretty sharp kid. Very cool. Good, good student, unlike his dad. So when, you, <laughs> when you're not building sets and keeping um, giant communication networks on the air, <laughs> you uh, obviously, we talked about the skydiving. Yep. Uh, kind of got into the photography. Yep. Um, we'll get to cooking in a second, but let's stop on photography for a second. Um, do you do that freelance? Yeah. Okay. So- That's pretty much more like a hobby. I mean, I have been I have been paid a few times, so I guess I could call it professional. Okay. Um, who, but, who are some people that like you? Oh, like get a couple local artists will you oh. know spiff me 150 bucks to come shoot their show. Nice. You know, it's kind of nice. It pays for the gas. Okay. And um, the the first show I shot, like first music show, when we're saying shows, I guess we should say music, like concerts. Concerts are pretty much what I shoot. Uh, small bar stuff or any bands, you know, I just, I love the energy on a stage and trying to capture that mm-hmm. shoot 99% black and white or process everything in black and white. Why is that? Uh, it's just my style. Mm-hmm. I like the look of it and I start, I start to see it now. So I see shadow and light and you know, when you're shooting in black and white or, you know, you're going to process it black and white, you don't care about it being brown. You're trying to find contrast or find something that looks dramatic. Okay. So I have a kind of a style that I go for. And I think with music, it looks, uh, you know, if you're shooting landscapes, black and white doesn't necessarily always look nice. Right. Unless you're Ansel Adams, but, <laughs> good, um, point, good point. Good point. Or, but. In music, I think there's a grittiness to it and an energy that you don't need the color, you know. And but it sucks sometimes because I'll have some shots and I'll look like, oh, the lights are just blue and red and they're all over the place. Yeah. It looks amazing. And sometimes I'll keep a few, but I try to stick to that, you know, being black my style. Okay. Uh, I had a teacher who I took a class from in New York, and he he said, shoot black and white, give it a shot, and he and I did. And when I did, I really kind of shifted how I saw photos before I took them, and I like it. You know, it's it's a little more challenging. 
and it's given me a bit of a style. So, you know, sometimes you have to set yourself apart in a world where a bunch of people are doing the same thing, and I, it feels like I have. So I'm really proud of my stuff. That's cool. Yeah, can people check it out online or something? Yeah, the com is my website. The Chickering Project dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Okay. In doing photography or some of these shoots or anything like that, like what are some celebrities that you've rubbed shoulders with? We've talked about Morton Downey Jr. Hmm. Uh, anybody else come to mind that you've rubbed shoulders with over the years? In the photography world, no. Um, you know, when I was working my uh, two, three, let me three, three jobs ago in <laughs> yeah. radio, uh-huh. um, we, I was working for Susquehanna Radio. We had a country station and an alternative station. So I got to mix all the bands that came in. So. Oh, cool. List is pretty long and it's yeah. fun. Like, but, you know, but Chris Isaac and, you know, some of these big acts that were in the like the 90s to mm-hmm. the early aughts, you can name it. And I probably met them, which that's, is kind of fun. That's you the know? golden era of music. If oh, you ask my God. Me. Yeah, it was great. And, <laughs> and, you know, it was I had some fun experiences. I have a crazy story about David Gray, you know, and it just the things that have happened over time, which are kind of fun. I probably shouldn't tell the story, but just know that it was interesting. Oh. But Lyle Lovett, I did a mix for him and had his entire large band in there like oh. 12 14 people in a, in a radio studio. studio well we actually had like a performance room but it wasn't oh. gigantic but we actually had a performance space and it was really really fun to okay. like and you know i got to build that out and then actually use it so mixing music is kind of something i don't get to do hardly anymore anyway. we've had aaron watson in and that's been fun to kind of mm-hmm. exercise that muscle again but it's something i miss but uh the photography thing is i think that new creative outlet for me so I, it's been fun i kind of wanted to ask you um a follow-up there, you know, with David Gray, a story you're not supposed to tell. I mean, you can't say that and expect me just well, to like gloss it over it. I just don't, I don't want to tell it, but it was awkward. It oh. was awkward. No, okay. tambourine. Tambourine. <laughs> but we're not going to hear it, right? No, I better not okay. tell it. Well, we can change the names. Yeah. David too late. White. Way. <laughs> David Ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, cooking. You enjoy cooking. Yep. I'm the, sh- I'm the cook for the house, pretty much. Oh, wow. What's your favorite dish to make? Uh, I'm... I smoke salmon, which is uh, legit. Yeah. That's probably the best thing I've done. What do you pair that with? Oh, a little capers and some um, nice. cream cheese. I like it. I don't oh, know. Cream cheese, huh? Yeah, a little whipped cream cheese and a cracker. Huh. Yeah, not bad. I'm it's a nice, it's a nice you, to, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm going to need you I to make some in here. Really? You've never had it? You've, I didn't get the message. All right. I'll, I'll make a batch. I'll whip All up right. a batch this week, and then you can, uh, po- you can follow up the podcast with a review of my smoked salmon. Okay. I look forward to that. Very good. <laughs> but I'm pretty good at just, like, digging something out of the refrigerator and a bunch of leftovers and throwing some stuff together. Mm. You know? I'm decent. I'm not, a, I'm not trained at all, and I'd actually love to take a class to know what I'm actually supposed to be doing, but yeah. most of the time it turns out all right. So what is the tolerable life expectancy of leftovers? You know, it obviously depends on the food, but give us a rundown if you would. Like, when do you start throwing stuff out? One week. For every, that's your general yeah, rule for everything? Yeah, pretty much. Unless it's like rice or quinoa or something that doesn't have it's anything all... spoilage in it. Oh. You know. But like if it's a you know, a hamburger patty, yeah, it's gone after a week. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of funny about Do you give it to the dog? You know, because I mean like at I'm a week. hesitant sometimes. Uh huh. Because yeah. like like we, we, we actually protect our our dogs as well, right? We're like, well, I mean, I could throw it yeah. out, or I could give it to you. I'm just more afraid what might happen to him over overnight in the, in the yeah. rug in the living room. Yeah, yeah and then it's a like, surprise waiting for you in the morning. Hey, Dad, I gotta go, gotta go, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, I'm sleeping. 
you know there's trouble when you hear the whining at the door or, or the nuzzle on your arm from the yes. cold nose like and it's 3 a.m like oh no right yeah. it's so somebody ate something we shouldn't eat i've got a door off of the bedroom right and my dog for whatever reason the big dog does not like to go out that door for whatever reason mm-hmm. i don't know because we forget about him when he goes out that one i don't know <laughs> But it feels you, like it's going to be orphaned. Right. It's like you've forgotten me too many times. Maybe he thinks it's a gas chamber. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, in the middle of the night when he's whining, he's at that door. He's like, all right. I'll go out the portal. It's time. <laughs> so, and you have a you have a dog and a pig? Potbelly pig? How many dogs do you have? Uh, I have one dog, one pig. Okay. One dog, one pig. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about the owning a pig is that it gets one of these. Ah, well done. Well done. You picked out the pig. Yeah, yeah. So. I know. I was, you know, what did we call the pig? Scooter. <laughs> Here's the thing, y'all. When you write on your answers the animal's name in its lowercase, <laughs> and you don't bother to capitalize the S, it's a dead giveaway. Oh, wow. That's right. That's how you vetted it out. Well done, Keith. Well okay, done. Okay, so, but dog. You can thank yeah, Clayton Kimbrough. For oh, the did he help you with pig. this? Yes. I was like, Clayton, I, well, I need an animal that isn't mine. He goes, <laughs> and he came up with a raccoon. I said, that's not a bit believable. And then we, he goes, all right, pop belly pig. And I said, all right, cool. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Clayton, uh, episode 10 of At the Mic. I was going like to say, go he's already aired, correct? Check the archives, yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Luke. Because he's come up here quite a bit to the to the Yeah, studio. you've seen him. He's a ball energy. Yeah. He's yeah. a wild man. Mm-hmm. He's a, we got him, you know, in a, as a stray, somebody found him on a farm kind of thing in our neighborhood. And not that we, they lived in our neighborhood. They were on a farm and found him. Sounded weird. I got you. Um, and we, uh, we decided to take him in. Oh. And he's slowly calming his uh, crazy <laughs> butt down. How old is he? Uh, I think he's like three, three and a half, something like that. Okay. So he's getting there. Very he's cool. kind of like a cat. He's got a cattle dog head, crazy big giant ears, and a, a German shepherd kind of face. Uh-huh. And then he's just kind of a runty little dork. <laughs> runty little dork. <laughs> but he's awesome. And yeah. he's fun. He, so he's, he's a good dog. He is a sweetheart whenever I've interacted with him up here. Sheds like a mm, oh, yeah, God, right, right now. There's dog hair everywhere. Seriously, everywhere. seriously. I had my dog, who's a short hair. Yeah, he's a short hair too. In the back of the truck, in the back seat of the truck uh, this past weekend. And I was just looking yesterday. Oh my gosh, there's hair everywhere. Yeah. And I and yeah. I reminded myself, this is why I never put you in the truck. Yes. Because I'm living with your presence for the next three months. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need the blanket or something to at least absorb the. Yeah. I didn't think that through. But then it's flying. You open your windows. Oh God! Oh, oh. it's like a hair tornado going on in your in your cab. It's on your clothes and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. hair tornado. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you and I have a very similar taste in music. Alternative Americana rock. That's what you listed here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who are some of your favorite bands? The favorite band of all time for me is the Who. Like that, they're my go-to. Okay. I mean, I mean, we're not. As synced up as I thought. What are some uh, other good bands you the, like? The Police. I do like. I, I will say though, the Who has great songs. Yeah, it's I'm kind of not... weird that it's it's a it's a weird that it's a little older than my actual age. I guess you know. I think the average Who fan is probably more in their seventies, where I'm mid fifties. Okay. But I, it's something my brother introduced me to. He bought a bunch of Who albums, left them. Uh-huh. Oh darn it! He left them, and guess who still has them? <laughs> but uh, that's like went... my stepbrother. Yeah. My stepbrother. My my oldest stepbrother. Uh, he had this shelf of CDs, mm-hmm. and he'd be at work or whatever during the day when I was home during the summer, 
I have old cassette tapes. I just dubbed everything. I was like, all right, he's yeah. never going to let me borrow them. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll just record off of them and I'll go listen to them at, at my own time. Mm-hmm. And so that's like half of my collection when I was a kid. That's your it was archive. Just, yeah. It was just these yeah. cassette tapes of, of his his favorite music. But anyway. But probably saying. music from my you know high school years is probably The Police. You know, that's kind of the soundtrack, if you think about it. Like, mm-hmm. all those albums from The Police. Do you like uh, Sting's solo stuff? Not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, uh, there's a bunch of country acts I love. I love some of the local Texas stuff that's flying around here, and I've gotten to know a lot of the bands through shooting them. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, there's that, like, there's a band, Cutthroat Finches, who's one of my favorite bands here in town. They're a Fort Worth band. And uh, they're terrific, and their music is really, really good. But and it's kind of like a country Americana vibe. It has a little bit of an alternative turn sometimes. Oh. But you know, like some of the the country stuff that's around here, they call it red dirt music. It's not. It's the anti Nashville thing, and they're kind of like it's an outlaw country vibe. And some of the stuff is really, really, really terrific. Okay. So, you know, try to check out, like, start. Uh, that's what I love about Spotify. You can start with a band and just find other bands, you know? Yeah. There's another band called the Vandaliers here in town. They were just really, yeah. really great. Uh-huh. And I've shot them a couple of times. So it's fun to get to know these bands. And, you know, like, I heard the, the Cutthroat Finches on the radio like three or four years ago. And I thought, man, these guys are awesome. They have kind of a Beatles sound a little bit. You know, Sean, who's the lead singer. And then I'm like, I have his number in my phone now. You nice. know, we're just, we're friends. So his birthday was this weekend, and I sent him a birthday text. I was like, that's kind of cool. That you know, cool. like I've met and kind of become friends with a lot of the local bands around town. So that's been that's been really fun to, like, on my on the weekend, that's pretty much what I do. You know, I just go shoot photos. It sucks right now because I haven't taken a picture since, mm-hmm. you know, probably, gosh, the last one I was going to do was early March, and I decided not to do it just because this was kicking up, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure, like, being in a crowd, whether yeah. that was a good idea. Society's a fun place right now, huh? Yeah, it sucks, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I've got a few band friends there talking about doing drive-in concerts. Oh, you know, interesting. That's kind of the thing they're trying to think about doing. I th- huh. told the guy I'd, I'd come by in my car and shoot it from my car. <laughs> you know, just stupid <laughs> stuff. Fun. But yeah, it's I'm just jonesing to take pictures. You yeah. know? And all I've been doing since is just kind of documenting this world we're in because I think in a couple of years we'll be we'll forget what it was like when there were signs and lines at Home <sighs> Depot and you know that kind of thing. And or in ten years, you know, what was this era like? And I just wanted to have something that showed it. Like I I was in Fort Worth last uh, two weekends ago and I rode my bike into downtown Fort Worth the Sundance Square. It's kind of big touristy kind of hangout area. Mm-hmm. They had ropes across all the entrances. You couldn't even go onto the square with signs and it was a 70-degree Sunday afternoon, and there wasn't a human standing out there. And it's just like that would be packed with a 1,000 people. Well, you you say that you're documenting this era because we'll forget. Do you think we'll forget, or do you think that this is going to become the, quote, new normal, as they're calling it? Because I'm hoping— I think we'll forget. I'm hoping you're correct. I'm hoping that the remnants of this— we're standing in line at Home Depot instead of seeing uh, stickers on the floor saying "Stand here, stand here." We're seeing just the sticky outline of where the sticker used yeah. to be years before. That's what I'm yeah. hoping. Like I, I, I was going to do that last or yesterday. I was in a grocery store and I meant to take a picture of the in like I think it was in a Tom Thumb where they were showing you what direction to go down the aisle. Right. And I thought, you know, I'll forget that that, you know, we'll, we'll forget what that was like. So that's so one thing that's kind of fun about taking pictures is you get to like. A little bit of a documentary kind of vibe to it. But as someone who takes pictures as often as you do, do you enjoy the world 
where we would get stuff developed and then we would have a huge box of photographs, yeah. 90% of which are crap. Yeah. Or do you like having everything digitally? And before you answer, those pictures, at least in my world, are so out of sight, out of mind. The digital ones? Yeah, because mm-hmm. you really have to sit down and think, okay, now I'm going to look at pictures. Yeah. Uh, and, and turn on, fire up the laptop and go through them that way. Whereas mm-hmm. a box of pictures or a photo album, you can just sit down and just start looking at them. Yeah. What, which do you prefer, though? All right, let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, did you, when you got bored, did you open the family photo album and just look at it? Yeah. I did all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I miss that. And yeah. I agree with you 100% that photos get locked away on a hard drive. But they, I, I don't, it's, again, it's just, I love the immediacy of being able to go shoot a show. I'll take a thousand pictures at a show because I can take a thousand pictures at a yeah, show. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah you don't and have to. And I'll keep one out of ten, and then sure. I'll take that hundred, and I'll dilute that down to 30 that I want to keep, and I'll put 15 of them on Facebook. They live on Facebook. You know, and yeah. I think the only you know, there's one thing good about Facebook that I actually don't mind is the hey, one year ago you posted this photo. Uh-huh. It's kind of fun because you get that oh yeah, I remember when I shot that show or that album or whatever. Or somebody will randomly like it and they're like, what are they looking at that? Oh, somebody was looking at that album uh-huh. randomly or Instagram yeah. or something like that. So I think for that it's great, but yeah, for family, like I don't think my son has seen a picture I've taken. In a long time, because they're all sitting on a hard drive. Yeah. Or they're, you know, it's not like he's going to go out to my Flickr page and look at his pictures from the Thanksgiving parade that he, when he was in, when he was six years old and catching a football with his friends. Mm-hmm. I don't, he would never, now if he needed it, like for something for school, I can get to it. I can print them out and make that thing for him. So I think it's just a different way of thinking. And I think for kids, the immediacy of media is really interesting, and I'd, I'd love to see somebody do a study on this because, you know, when we grew up, it was dad take a photo, and maybe in a week or two weeks, he had them developed, and yeah, then maybe go- drug out the the slide projector and shot them up on the wall, you <laughs> yeah. know, the whole thing. Or, or you know, and now it's like I remember shooting a video with my son when I had the, one of the first Sony little cameras that had a monitor on it. Uh-huh. And he said, and he would look at me and go, I want to see me, I want to see me. Exactly. You know, so it's it's a different... I think it's fascinating, yeah. you know, and it, and the immediacy of it is cool, but I still like shooting in film. I have a Polaroid camera, which is fun. I was, I I was about to bring them up. I was about to say how, you know, you would drop off your roll of film at the drugstore yep. and you'd, like you said, wait a week or two and hope for the best. Yeah. Or you'd go to that, uh, the, the little mobile kiosk thing <laughs> in the middle of the parking lot. Yeah. What are those things called? Oh, uh, the photomat thingies. Photomat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got that. And then today, the digital camera equivalent to today was the Polaroid. Yes. Where it would spit out and you'd wave it in the air and yep. wait for it to develop. Mm-hmm. That was our immediate yeah. gratification as far as that concerned. Yeah. We know they don't have to wait for that stuff. Mm-mm. It's all immediate on our phones and we can not waste film, which yeah. to me is just a waste of money as far as, like I said, 90% of what you're going to go get developed is crap anyway. Yeah. So there is that cool aspect to it. One thing that I have done is I have on my phone just a year in a, 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 all these folders. So right now I have a 2020 develop folder. And at Christmas time, as soon as Christmas morning is done, I go and I develop all of the pictures you get for prints that. Prints made. Of yeah, those prints photos. made. Okay. Put them in a photo album. That's smart. But the thing is, photo albums are becoming harder and harder 
to find to purchase. Hmm. You don't have them like done, just done and printed as a book. I've got to start doing that. Yeah, that's just as easy. Yeah. Like like my uh, my sister in law did that for my son when he graduated high school, and it was mm-hmm. the coolest thing ever. It brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. She went through and picked all the photos up from when he you know when he was five at their house, and they live in Washington State, and so it was really neat like seeing all these pictures. And she did a beautiful job, and it was an Apple photo book, and I still have it. It's sitting on our coffee table. It's probably the only photo album that I could walk into the house and put my hands on. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, I. I there is something missing there, and but I don't miss the I'd go skydiving and take 15 rolls of film over a weekend, drop them off at Fox Photo, and mm. God, what I spent on photo development. Right. Here. That's the other yeah. thing. And yeah. just sitting there in Fox Photo going, keep. Yep. Nope. You know, it's like going through the pile and keeping yep. six out of the seven rolls, you know, and it's like. It's nice just popping through, or while I'm taking, while I'm at a show, I I think the thing for a photographer, I'm jumping all over the place. But I apologize. Mm-hmm. The thing that I learned that I think is cool for digital photography for new photographers is the learning curve is so much shorter on developing your style and in developing an eye, because I think it's like any artist they have to try something to know if that works, right? Right. Chefs they try a spice and it works or it doesn't work. With photography, it's you you shoot something, and, and unless you're just amazing, when you already see it in your eye, you sometimes have to see it in frame and go, oh, I love that angle. Or I like how I was here instead of in front of them. Or the depth that I got here or the lights in the background. Well, I almost get that in show. Like I might just pop through and take a look during in between bands and go, oh, that worked. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to kind of develop my 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 craft a little faster just by being able to get that feedback quicker, you know, so, and be able to take multiple pictures. That's true. Yeah. And so you have tons of respect for these photographers that shot on film all their entire life and do do these beautiful photographs. And it's like, they didn't mess anything up. Yeah. You know, they didn't, but it is fun to go. Like I still have a couple film cameras and I will go take a roll of film. And like, I, I think I had three rolls of film that I had for like, Almost two years. Isn't that exciting? I sent them in. I couldn't even remember what was on them. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, I remember that show. All right, it was like a friend I shot. But I back to the Polaroid. I did just recently buy a Polaroid camera. Oh wow! And they're bought, coming back, huh? Yeah, it's funny. They're kind of a bit of a resurgence. And I bought black and white Polaroid film. And so what I do at shows sometimes is I have it in like a little pouch on my hip, and I take crowd shots or people at the show, uh-huh. and I just hand it to. Them. I put a sticker for oh, my that's cool. and I hand it to them. And it's the like I've had people like try to pay me for it. Like, can I Venmo you money for it? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, but I don't. Yeah, you know, just take the dang thing. It's a buck, you know. But it's been like, it's fun. It's it's a really cool way to kind of get people to remember you. And I've taken pictures of the bands, like a lead singer, and I'll throw it up on the stage. And one guy was like, he's he's like singing and he's looking down at it, developing it. It was the coolest <laughs> thing. And it, he picked it up and he goes, "Well, that's instant gratification or something that's like cool. that." It's just it's a fun bit, but the yeah. the Polaroid is a blast. Yeah. It's just that weird throwback kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to own one. No, you know? no I, I mean, think it's a good starter camera for kids. A maybe, silly you know? phone, you yeah. know. And and you know. that's the thing. There are pros and cons. And the last thing I'll say about uh, photography here, but there are pros and cons to having digital. Uh, photographs today as opposed to 30 years ago when you had to wait on the film and stuff. But I will say what a treat it is uh, when you're going through uh, a family member who is either deceased mm-hmm. or or getting up there in age and say, take whatever you want or whatever, you know, and you're going through their house. I mean, you stop, you get to that photo album and you're there for hours on yeah. end going through that. Whereas if everything's on your phone, 
mm-hmm. then you're not really sharing that yeah. in a more of an intimate setting. It's more like what you said on a Facebook or something like that. So I would encourage people to go through the pictures on your phone and get that stuff developed. Yeah, print a book. Yeah. The books are easy. Do the book. kind of fun, yeah. Exactly. You've got an interesting talent that um, I don't <laughs> possess. Can't remember what this is. Uh, this is, he's nervous. Oh, oh no, oh, which one did I put down? That? Maybe there were two lies on but, there. But. No, no, no. <laughs> it's parallel park. Oh, and, yeah. And I can parallel park, uh-huh. but it takes a little while and sometimes i have to get lucky roll the dice it was the one thing that i screwed up i screwed up one time on my driver's test otherwise i would have had a perfect score mm-hmm. it was just the one screw up on the parallel you parking bumped the curb or something or uh yeah but i mean it was it was an 88 oldsmobile like cutlass, cutlass. Yeah. yeah i was gonna say something big it, it bomber. Was a boat yeah 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 so i'm gonna give myself a little slack there but i i will admit that if i'm in a downtown city setting and there's a spot there and there's someone behind me I mean, I instantly just gripped that wheel. I'm like, okay, you can do this, man. Either that or just go around the block until something. The pressure is on. Right. Can Keith do it exactly. while everybody's waiting for him? But yeah. you can parallel park any vehicle? Yeah. That's a that's a big claim there. My dad taught me two things. One, how to use tools. Mm-hmm. Two, how to parallel park. Uh-huh. He had this incredible method of teaching it. Okay. It's very, uh, very, uh, you, it's like five steps it, it's, you, and you can't mess it up. Okay. Cause for me, it would be scream in your right <laughs> ear five times, but that's not the steps you're talking about. No. no okay. No, what no. do you got? I, I can't tell you the steps. You can't tell me? No. Oh. It's a secret. Okay. I know. Hold on a second. I think, I think the, the, your bumper comes even with, well, whatever. Never mind. Okay. So this is an audio medium too. It doesn't really work <laughs> on that, but just know that there exists this parallel yeah. parking method by yeah. uh, John Alden Chickering that uh-huh. he developed. I don't know where he got it from, but okay. it worked. It, it works every time. I, I, I've been in vehicles that I've never, like first time driving, can parallel park it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. We'll go over parked, it later. Parked a, a massive suburban in the rain in Houston, Texas for shot. First time What's the biggest ve- is that the biggest vehicle you've ever had to parallel park? That was probably one of the big. It was a big like station vehicle. Okay. So the, the windows were all covered, and you know it was hard to see. Yeah. And it was pouring down rain. I remember I just nailed that. Sucker. Nice, like, nice. Three inches off the curb. There you go. We'll go practice in the parking lot uh, <laughs> after this taping <laughs> yeah. here today. I'd like to the get problem some is tips. You don't have to parallel park that often. You know, it's not like it is. We live in a place where it's I, like. When's the last time you had to parallel park? I just avoid it. I go around the block until there's two spots together. I can just pull in straight and go, ta-da! I did because, it. Because, you know, 30 minutes later, when there's nothing but cars lining the road, yeah. people have no idea how easy it was. Maybe you just do the spot. curb roll-up thing. You just roll up on the curb, you pop black down, and you're in. Oh, I do that just, just in a regular parking lot <laughs> spot out here. Okay, so your earliest memory, do you remember what that is yet? Well, oh, because I'm wondering if you forgot. I since think it you might have been this. shopping or going out with my mom. Yeah, to the grocery like store yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, One time, my mom left her purse on the on the roof of the car. It's oh. pretty funny. Was it? Yeah, we got to the grocery store. She didn't have her purse. Oh no! She's like freaking out. Like, where's my purse? This is, so this describes the neighborhood I lived in. Uh huh. She had gotten in the car, put the purse on top of the car, closed the door, got in the car. Mm-hmm. So we drove like crazy all the way back. The fifteen twenty minute drive back <gasps> to the house. Oh no! Purse sitting in the middle of the street. There it was. Wow. That's helpful. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me like <laughs> stuff was just strewn all over the driveway. Well, the potbelly pig had gotten into it, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> Who's had the biggest impact on you in your life? Uh, easily Marty Sachs. And Marty was the chief engineer of the stations in D.C. When, for WRC that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me an engineering internship, gave me a shot, and uh, has been 
probably my best friend and um, advisor, professional advisor, emotional advisor, uh, just a great guy. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and he cool. works for Telos Axia, the company that uh, makes those phone devices and broadcast. And, mm. Yeah. Okay, Telos. Yeah, yeah I've heard of that. Yeah. That that pops up everywhere in the broadcast business. Yeah, he's a he's he's a big hitter up up with them, and uh, we and I he and I have always maintained uh, contact. But yeah, anytime I get back to DC, we try to get dinner and just hang out and chat. But yeah, he's uh, he you know he advised me on taking this job. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, that's great. So your most embarrassing moment? You want to tell us what that was? Oh, uh, what was? It? Because oh, this is. This is a... And this is recent. Oh, no. Because, see, this is a lesson that I learned at a young age. And I'm not... And and I'll set this up for you to tell your story. But, you know, let me me, me wait. You tell your story, and then I'll tell you how I learned this lesson without getting burned. But go ahead. I think mine was last year during the summer. I was at a lumber yard. And it's this kind of place that only sells cedar that's on my deck. So I had a couple of broken deck boards, had to go get some cedar. Well, I'm driving my car that doesn't, you know, they sell this stuff in like 12 foot, 15, 20 foot length. So I need it like 10 feet so I can shove it into my car and close the windows and do the whole thing. So <laughs> I go and buy, I go up to the door, desk and the girl's helping me out. And I swore, <laughs> I swore she told me she was pregnant. Uh, oh. So she's um she's a little round. I guess so. And um had okay, go ahead. And okay. so we go um she's like, Yeah, I think we have some in the back, you know, da 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 and, and she's like and we're trying to find one of the guys to cut the wood. Oh no. And I said, Look, I'll I'll cut it, you know, if that's okay. She's oh yeah, that's fine. So I fire the saw up and I plop it down there. And she's like lifting the boards. I said, No, no, don't do that. You're you're pregnant. And she goes, I'm not pregnant, I'm just fat. Oh, no. No. As I proceed to operate the saw and stack the wood and uh, oh. leave the lumber yard with my tail between my no legs, kidding. I could not believe. Was she laughing or not happy at all? She was just, she rolled with it. Okay, that's So good. it might not have been the first time she'd heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, she was, um, she looked, dude, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere. <laughs> but you thought she had said something about being I pregnant. I swore that she's wow. mentioned, and you know, maybe I just, from the moment she was, I saw her, I just assumed she was pregnant. You, know? <laughs> you just planted. And everything, with everything she was said I, was just like supporting that I, assumption I had made. I thought you were going to say when she called the guys, you know, from a, I thought a lot of people got to witness this embarrassing moment. Hopefully it was just the two of just you. Just the two of us. Like, okay, well, that's. I'm sure she told, you know, everybody uh-huh. else. I, that DA just told me I was pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened to me when I was in about fifth grade, a family member and myself, um, this uh, a lady pushing a stroller. And obviously pregnant, walked by, and my family member asked when she was due. And this lady said, um, I actually Uh-oh. just lost the baby. <sighs> so from that moment on, since I was 10 years old, I will never, ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, I have held fast now for however many decades <laughs> yeah. of never, ever asking a woman if she's and pregnant. I never thought I would do that. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would make that, and I just—it was in my head that this woman was pregnant, and it never even occurred to me that she wasn't. So, and she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. sorry about that. Now, your son who is in college, yep, does he have a serious girlfriend? He does. So, do you think that that there's a, uh, a wedding on the horizon there? Who knows? He's been dating her since. 
ninth grade? Tenth grade? Somewhere around there? Yeah. I believe it. Something like some early, early high school. He might have even been junior high. Because you're think. they've been together quite a long time. You would like to become a grandparent someday. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. And it just seems like the, that yeah. trajectory is there. It seems like it. Very good. But I, you know, I'm not interested in him like graduating college and having kids. I don't think that's <laughs> right, a good right. idea. But I just yeah. meant like at least uh, there's good prospects there right yeah, now. Okay, yeah, good. I think so. And, and she's really great. And uh, the you know we we all get along, which is fun. So mm-hmm. and they're really good together. Yeah, they're one of those. She's really outgoing, and he's more kind of chill, like That's me, cool. and more introverted. So they, they I think, they complement each other. They're, uh, they're fun. They're a fun little couple. No regrets that you can think of over the course of your life, or that you'd want to share. No, there wasn't anything that popped in my head when I saw that question. Yeah. I actually kind of felt good that there wasn't anything like Yay. you know. I don't know. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And no bucket list. Nothing like I've got to do this before. I mean, dude has. Gone skydiving sixteen hundred times. Yeah, I've had a pretty cool life, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I I think you know maybe on the bucket list is to one day do the photography thing professionally. Like that's actually my career. If I ever retire and I just continue to do that, that would be really fun to just to say that's my job now. Um, but yeah, it's it's I love this work. It's a blast. I mean, much like you, you, you eat, drink, sleep. This we all do. Not much you know, sleep. But not I much sleep. That's the, point. the reason. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're always either thinking about this stupid job or we're doing it, and it's it's fun. And yeah. you know, as as crazy and as nuts as it gets to be, sometimes and sometimes it's a little. Mm, <laughs> ha- yeah, it's a lot to handle. We, we you know, that's the things we can't talk about. <laughs> but the uh, in general, it's fun work. Yeah. You know, we could be out digging a ditch or something, and and that. Would suck oh, but yeah. the fact that we get to just pl- you know play radio every day it's pretty sure. pretty 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 fun no so. complaints yeah absolutely okay so you mentioned your website if people want to check out your photography yep. do you sell ph- photographs there at no the- i haven't done that yet i haven't done any sort of like com- e-commerce on that site yet okay. but it's just there to check out could people they can hit me back if they want yeah to there's like something. an email address contact yeah, or something you can to say hey request more info on a photo because i've done that like before that. i've gone to there, there's a photographer who has like a gallery, mm-hmm. for lack of a better uh, phrase. By the way, his website, folks, thechickeringproject.com. If you want to check out his stuff, also, that's his Instagram handle, right? Yep. The Chickering Project. But this guy was a great photographer who has taken some of the most iconic photographs in nature mm. ever. Like there's one specific one uh, that features a shark eating a seal or, oh, or, or really? diving uh, up and grabbing it or something. Oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if that photograph is the one, I think it is. It's been so long, I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure that was the one that was famous, you know, a few years back. Anyhow, I went to his website, and it's a gallery. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's not set up for e-commerce. Yeah. And I reached out to him. I was able to buy some uh, yeah. photographs, and he put together this thing. Uh, because my wife, Carrie, she's a big shark freak. And so I was able to get this guy who... You know, lives on the other side of the planet. I had to figure out <laughs> Krona U.S. dollar, you know, uh, con- conversion there. Yeah. But anyhow, you guys frustrate me, you and this guy here, because people go to these websites and I want to be able to click on something and, and say, yeah, and buy it. sell this to me. Yeah. So it could save yourself some trouble if you would. I'm just Well, mine gets a wise. little challenging because, you know, I'm shooting bands that 
you know, I, I'm using somebody else's image. So it gets yeah, a little trickier okay, there. Yeah, the shark ain't going to sue him for selling the shark. You know? <laughs> I don't know, man. If PETA gets involved, yeah. you never know. They did can you, supply a lawyer. Did the shark provide your rights to this photograph? So, <laughs> you know, I don't really have any kind of, like, legal, hey, I'm sure your show tonight, I'm going to sell stuff. I think they're all – and I, I give the bands full usage anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of a okay. go, give and take. But, uh, like, I've got – you know, are you familiar with Leon Bridges? You familiar? No. No, blank. Okay. Local guy, made it big. So he's a Columbia Records artist now. He's amazing. Huh. Yeah, Bridges is terrific. Kind Sounds of throwback, like somebody I should check out, huh? Throwback 60s guy a little okay. bit. Music is terrific. Okay. Um, but I've got some incredible shots of him that I shot at Fortress Fest last year. I'm not sure I can sell those. You know, so I have to be careful. Yeah, with some of stuff. okay. But see, as you're documenting this COVID-19 world, yep. right? I could sell that all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you need to... Yeah. Just trying to help you out. You I know, appreciate it. Yeah, cool. So e-commerce is definitely on the next like iteration of the website. I just wanted to have something up that you know proved my legitimacy because uh-huh. it was like when I would apply for a photo pass for something like Fortress Fest or like a big concert festival, I didn't have anything as my business card to say here's my stuff other than a Flickr page, and that kind of looks a little chintzy. Yeah. So at least this has a professional vibe to it, and people can go find photos easily mm-hmm. because you can search by date and things like that. So I wanted to make it easy for like. If you were at a show and I was shooting and I gave you my card, I don't have to tell you where they are. Just go look for the date. Okay. And then you can find the photos or look for the venue, that kind of thing. And before I let you go, though, when's the last time you've been skydiving? Gosh. Stopped skydiving a long time ago. Let's see. So that sun was probably probably 15 years ago. Okay. Last skydive. So yeah. that's not something that, that I could go up and do a tandem jump with you and stuff? No, you, not right like, now. I'm I can hook you up there. with them, but uh-huh. yeah, I can get you connected up with the right people. But yeah, I haven't taken a jump in forever. And it'd be nice with this new camera stuff I have. Like some of these cameras, like these Canon cameras we're shooting, that shoot video. Okay. And the video is unbelievable. Very, you know, but, you know. very last question for you. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go up in a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. Which do you think is more risky no oh boy the skydiving or the hot air balloon hmm? plummeting to the earth at how many miles per hour 120 miles an 120 hour. miles per hour or trusting someone to uh yeah. put the right amount of uh, heat to the yeah. helium there i don't know those things scare me a little bit right i know they're just a little freaky it almost feels i always wanted risky. to jump out of one i never got to jump me out of a hot too. air balloon i want to do both i want to go up there and jumped out of a helicopter mm-hmm. that was pretty cool because what's neat about a helicopter is it's... Don't jump up! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops! Duck! No, what's neat about a helicopter versus an airplane, an airplane's moving forward, right? And you think about when you leave the airplane, you have inertia. Uh-huh. You're, you're traveling at the speed of the airplane when you leave the airplane. Okay. With a helicopter, you're just hovering, right? Oh, boy. So you leave that, and there's this truly kind of weightless, dropping oh, feeling. Oh, no. It's pretty cool. It's, wow. it's And it's the only emergency exit I've ever had. <laughs> Out of, a, out of an airplane. I wonder if, that, yeah, I wonder Freaking if helicopters. That is the same feeling. Uh, when I was in high school, a friend of mine was a pilot, mm-hmm. and so one day he and I flew around the southeast. You know, we just little airports: Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, mm-hmm. back home. Just hopping yeah. little little municipal exactly. airports, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And so he he turned it over to me to fly the plane. I think mm-hmm. it was a Cessna, some really yeah. small plane, right? For what seemed like eternity, but yeah. was probably no more than 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah. And I remember taking the controls and just just dropping down oh, no. like a ride at Six Flags or something. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Wes, take over. I can say I've flown a plane now. Thank you. All right. So 
Anyhow, I can only imagine what it's like to actually jump out of Don't a perfectly Keith good piece yoke. of machinery. <laughs> Don't give Keith the yoke. No, no. <laughs> no, I can say I flew it. 20, 30 seconds. That's we're fine. good. Anyway, <laughs> Rob Chickering, uh, the senior yeah. vice president. Let's make sure I get all my letters right. Yeah, the acronym yeah, here. Yeah. Senior vice president uh, here at Blaze TV, Glenn Beck's network that he keeps on the air. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. You're welcome. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for asking. Sure Bye. thing. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect.